Welcome to the Jan Arden Podcast and Show. I am Jan Arden. I'm here with Caitlin Green, Sarah Burke. It is our second podcast of the 2024 season. Hi, girls, and welcome. How are you doing so far this year? Um, Lovely. So far, it's off to a sleepy start for me. Last week, I was at work. I was back on the radio, but it felt kind of like a low stakes week. Some people are still on holiday, reduced meetings, which I love. So yeah, sleepy start. Yesterday, though, we took my son to his first formal swimming lesson. Oh, boy. What? How old is this child? One. He is 18 months, so a year and a half, just about. And so they do swim classes where you go in with him. It's really just try to get them comfortable with the water. They can like blow bubbles and whatever. We did not get there because he freaked out quickly assessed that he hates this. Oh, freaked out, hates it. Even if you're in the pool with him, he does not like it. And honestly, I realized, uh, well, I should say my husband first realized that we made a grave error in starting these in the winter because you have to go in with so much gear and then gear down like a puffer coat and you're bringing all of his little baby terrible stuff parenting and- terrible terrible parenting it's almost as if we have never had a child before and we didn't know this. Oh. And so we're now going to delay doing this until the summer but all to say that was the rockiest thing that's happened to me this year yet oh i'm sorry to hear that i too hated swimming lessons as a child uh, living in Springbank, Alberta, my mother like begrudgingly drove us miles to go to the Killarney swimming pool. And uh, I remember this swimming instructor putting me in the diving pool. All the kids had the initial few lessons in the shallow part. And then uh, like, I feel like we only had like two lessons and we were in the giant diving pool. And he put us at the end of a pole. Like, keep in mind, this is the 60s. And f- kind of pushed us out there and forced us to let go of the pole. And I just, I couldn't, I just felt like I was going to perish. And I just, I've never been comfortable in water. I'm much better now, but it took me, oh gosh, until well into my thirties to be able to kind of jump off a boat in a lake and feel like I was going to be okay. But yeah, what a, I'm sure lessons are not like that now with children, but don't you worry about it, Caitlin, because you didn't know. He'll get there. I just think it was stressful for us even. Like we were like, this is gross. And then when I was getting him changed, because like the floor everywhere is wet anyways, it's a pool. But then it's also the mix of wet and grossness from winter boots. And it just has that like winter boot, like winter coat, sweaty pool smell. I just, I didn't like the experience. And I kind of felt like I looked at Will and I was like, I agree with you. You are my child because this is chaos and we could be at home playing games together and rolling around on the sofa and reading and you'd much rather be doing that. And frankly, so would I. So I'll see you. uh, I'll see you in the summer pool. He used his power and he spoke up. And last week, last week we were talking about not only not taking crap from people, but also making sure people recognize when they are stepping out of line. For instance, one of the examples we used was people taking credit for ideas in meetings that you say an idea and then two doors down, a guy says basically the same thing and takes credit for it, like rewords it. And and I just encourage people like, "Uh uh-uh, you stop, you step into yourself, find some courage, open your mouth and go, dude, I just said that. Yeah. Don't take that kind of crap from people. Sarah tells me we got tons, tons of feedback I don't know if you had some of them that you just wanted to read for us, but it was really, really interesting to see how people really needed to hear that message going into this year. Yeah, we'll read a couple messages. Um, Kelly said, thank you. This is so well said. Enjoyed your episode on my walk today. You ladies are the best. 
Joanne said, finally stood up to years of dysfunctional family behavior and called them out. They haven't spoken to me since, but life is so much more peaceful. Ah, doesn't matter. Elizabeth says, New Year's resolution for 2024, no longer being that sweet girl everyone expects. Thank you, Jan. And Sharon says, words of wisdom, Jan. Thank you. Happy New Year. New Year, new me, minus a few people. Yeah. I was talking about a really fabulous author who I adore named Dr. Edith Eager. She's a Holocaust survivor. She's just honestly incredible. And some of her books and her writing have really transformed the way that I look at things. And she has a quote that I thought was so fitting. And she said, to be passive is to let others decide for you. To be aggressive is to decide for others. To be assertive is to decide for yourself. Oh, I love it. It's so accurate because it doesn't mean you don't have to be mean. You don't have to belittle people. And conversely, you don't have to be nice all the time. You can just be assertive. You can just assert yourself in those situations and say, actually, that was my idea. You have to. You have to. You do. And also, the more you let something fester, the more you let it continue, it becomes this conditioned behavior, this expected behavior from you. And within you, you really are like, oh, I'll just put up with it. Oh, I'll just put up with it. And then one day you're going to snap. I was going to say, you're going to lie in bed at night and it's going to pester you. You're going to be hard on yourself and you're going to go, why am I so weak? Why am I so afraid? You know, A, you're not going to lose your job for standing up for yourself. There are laws and regulations and especially in this day and age, guys, that people have to follow. If someone fires you for putting your hand up in a meeting and saying, that was my idea, you're not going to have any problem taking these people to task. It's not 1961 where literally if someone just doesn't like you, they're going to get rid of you. There's repercussions. That's the thing. It's, it's really just that if you continue to chase someone else's version of you and you betray yourself in that way, whether this is at work or within your own personal relationships, it you will come to the conclusion on your own time as to when you're going to do this and how, but you will get there and you will look back on all the time spent sort of circling the drain on this and yeah. go, oh, I wish I did this sooner. Because your manager, if they're that kind of a toxic manager, they're never going to change. And that's not that's not your manager who's going to support you and promote you. And that's not an environment that is going to be healthy for you and that's going to foster work-life balance and that's going to encourage growth. You just... Eat, if they let go of you, they're doing you a favor. If they don't promote you, you should be looking for work somewhere else anyways. There's lots of doors that close and windows that open in life. And in the family environment too, like it's just wasted energy. It's energy you could be using for something so much better. I was just going to say, get out of my mind, Sarah, because if people are doing that at work generally, if that's how you're making your way through your life, you're doing it in your relationships too. You're being pushed down. You're not being encouraged. You're not being lifted and supported. And I know that sounds like such a cliche, but honestly, if you're in a friendship, never mind someone that you're getting nude with and touching personal parts. Don't you look at me. Nude. If a person is not lifting you up, encouraging you, inspiring you, making you better, teaching, sharing ideas, oh my God, please get away from them. Please don't spend this year... In, in that static place because you're probably doing it at work too. So you got to look in the mirror, folks, and go, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And just don't betray yourself because you know in your heart you can feel it where you're like, oh, I'm kind of putting up with this. And that's my biggest thing I'm going into the year with, which is if I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm betraying myself or I'm being pushed to betray myself and my own sensibilities and what I know the right move for me and in life is, I'm just not going to, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore because I'm the only one that has to live with it. It drives me nuts. I could be talking about other stuff in therapy. Exactly. <laughs> well, moving on, just before we started the podcast today, I was chewing 
And uh, we hadn't quite hit the record button, but Caitlin piped up and said, what are you eating? And I said, I'm eating an apple and peanut butter, which is my favorite go-to 24-7. doesn't matter if it's 11 o'clock at night or, you know, four in the morning. I love a crispy apple, gala preferably, and uh, a big glob of natural peanut butter. Like, sorry, Kraft, but I just, actually Kraft makes a natural one. Sorry. So Kraft, please feel free to sponsor us. And I love it. This is my question, though, because you said gala preferably, and then you have a natural peanut butter. This is one of my favorite snacks also. And I do believe that I've perfected the apple peanut butter combination. Ratio? It is a Honeycrisp oh, apple. That's nice, too. And it is it is a craft natural peanut butter, but with sea salt. Oh. That's the key. Dan's taking a big mm. bite. So you need to get the craft natural with sea salt and it's a honey crisp apple. And this is mm. as good as it gets. And it's crunchy. I'm doing the crunchy peanut butter. Granny Smith, guys. I like a Granny Smith, but sometimes it literally makes my nipples like almost eject off of my body. Like the first bite. It's too sour sometimes. The first bite of a Granny Smith, especially if it's been in the refrigerator, is like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I think I just ruined another bra because there's just something about them. <laughs> But yeah, the benefits of eating a spoonful of peanut butter every day. Research shows that people who regularly eat nuts and nut butter, including peanut butter, are less likely to develop heart disease and type 2 diabetes, plus peanut butter is very versatile. What other food transitions seamlessly from breakfast to lunch to dinner to snack to dessert? And they are right. So if I was on it, I've been listening to Desert Island Discs, folks, which is one of my favorite podcasts. It's out of the UK. They've been doing it for 80 years. And in all the time I've been listening to this, and I've probably listened to about 600 episodes so far in the last few years, no one has chosen peanut butter (gasps) as their desert island, like their extravagance. I know what Mm -hmm. books I would take. I would probably take a Charles Dickens because I think that would keep me busy for years. But no one's picked peanut butter as their luxury item. You're right. And on the show Survivor, no one did either. And it'll keep you alive. It's so good. I put it in smoothies, Mm -hmm. Jen. I have a vegan smoothie recipe that I make. Mm. My husband and I make this at least once a day. It is a meal for me once a day. And it has so much peanut butter in it. And I love it. Tell us. Okay. So it's peanut butter, uh, vegan protein, frozen Mm -hmm. blueberries, Mm. almond milk, a scoop of oats, like uh, like old-fashioned oats. And if you want, you can add some cinnamon. I'm going to do it. I've got all those things here. I like to add sometimes a shot of espresso to mine if it's the first thing I'm having in the morning. So then it's like a coffee smoothie combo. It's so good. One of the most sought-after food bank items is peanut butter. It's pricey, but when you think about thousands of peanuts going into a jar of peanut butter, it makes sense. But I'm telling you, I really feel for families who have a child or a loved one that has a peanut allergy. How's Will doing as far as peanut allergy stuff? Great. Luckily, he has dodged that bullet. What advice do they give you out of the gate? Like It went from, I think, kind of being like, avoid it because you never know to introduce it early. And I think there was some research that supported countries where they introduce it early as part of snack foods or just the type of foods that they naturally serve children. There was a correlation between a reduced rate in peanut allergies. And eventually they said, oh my gosh, this isn't these countries forcing their kids early being aware of allergies to do this. It's just that they eat more of it naturally. And one of the foods actually is a very popular type of snack food in Israel. And it's a little puff. It's like a a rice puff, but they coat it instead of in like cheese dust, which we would assume here is the way to go. It's peanut dust. And so little kids eat it there all the time. 
And they said, oh, my gosh, we actually believe it's reducing peanut allergies in children that. because they're exposed to it. Well, it's like it's like vaccinations, right? I'm no scientist, but I have played one on television. Um, when you think about vaccinations and how some of the old school ones worked as, you know, actually giving you a little micro dose, it's like Botox. Mm-hmm. They give you a little bit of Botox yeah. in your forehead to keep the muscles frozen. It's botulism. It would kill you in other circumstances, but... Can I blow your mind about Botox for one second? Oh, let's do it. It's a thing I've often wanted to discuss on the show. So the amount of Botox that is used to produce the world supply of Botox for one year is roughly the size of an aspirin. What? So that, yes. For all the Botox in the world. In the world is roughly the size of an aspirin. It is treated as though it is almost a possible weapon of war. Well, frozen soldiers. It travels from California to, I forget the name of the town, but it is a small town in Ireland. And this town is responsible for then making that little baby aspirin safe. And then they produce at their factory. It's like the Botox town in Ireland. Uh, they produce the world supply of Botox using this little tiny. The workers look 21. The workers are 21. The whole town is run on Botox. And the funny thing is, Botox, if I recall correctly, it is a pair of doctors, a husband and wife team, and they looked into Botox to be used for reducing facial spasms. And then they found that it had anti-aging properties. And so when this little aspirin of poison has to go from California to Ireland, they have to have a guy like with a handcuffed briefcase around his wrist No one knows when this flight is leaving. It leaves from like a military airport in the dead of night. It is one guy and a pilot and it travels there because if this went into any water supply, it could poison a whole city of people. So they really treat it carefully. But it is now one of the most safest injectables in the whole world. So there you go. It's the history of Botox. My mind is officially boggled. It's 20 below here in Southern Alberta, which seems really refreshing. Really? Well, I'm happy about it because we got a bit of snow and we're supposed to get some more snow today. But once again, uh, they're worried about droughts. But we're not going to talk about that because right now we're going to talk about the phenomenal 2023 year that the music industry enjoyed, uh, record-setting streams. So the global music industry surpassed, get ready for this, 4 trillion streams Mm. in 2023. So if you think about there's 8 billion people on the planet, probably 40% of them are streaming. I don't know if people have access to all that stuff in some parts of the world, but yeah, 4 trillion streams. They're attributing a lot of that to a single individual. Oh, we know who it is. Yeah. Taylor Swift. Uh, A lot of it is there. Uh, They were up 34% from last year, which is, it's just a lot. Three genres saw the greatest growth. And this really surprises me. Country. Does that surprise you? Almost 24% in growth. No, I, I don't I don't really listen to country. And I know I should because it's so pop oriented now. Mm-hmm. Latin, which encompasses all Latin genres, was 24.1%. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bad Bunny. <laughs> the catch-all that includes J-pop, K-pop, and Afro beats was up mm-hmm. 26%. Yeah. And still... They're not sure how to monetize that because people are always wondering how do artists get paid? We don't even know. Mm -hmm. We don't really understand how we're getting paid for it. So 
There's a lot of catch up still to be done. It's pretty straightforward who's streaming what. And then it's up to Spotify and iTunes and that to distribute those funds. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I, I feel like it's intentionally nebulous a little bit. Yeah. It's the same though with the streaming numbers for, for even television shows. Cause I remember I listened to a podcast with one of the stars of Stranger Things and she was saying that they were constantly going on these press tours and touting it as like the greatest debut ever and blah, blah, blah. But she had no way of knowing apparently how many people were watching this and how successful it was. And it kind of became clear to her that it was intentionally set up that way. So as not to share the information about some of these shows to then realize that all the stuff you see on Netflix, not that many people are watching it. And then conversely, the people who are watching shows and, you know, maybe two or three of them, you don't want to give that cast those those collective like kind of bargaining rights. And so I wonder about that for the music industry, because like if everybody really knew what they should be making, wouldn't they be ticked? Yeah, it's very kind of ominous. They'll get there, but it's going to take a while. They're still considering it very new technology. This doesn't sound like a lot, but Taylor Swift was responsible for 1.79% of the U.S. market. It's pretty massive, all things considered. You know, when you were thinking of, you know, 100 percentile and the tens of thousands of artists out there, what she's done is phenomenal. Times 2023 person of the year was Taylor Swift. She sure was. Do you remember what your early feelings about streaming were? Like Napster days in the 90s when Metallica was going to court? Oh, it was it was very frightening. Yeah. Super frightening. Yeah. For one thing, within, you know, 22 months of Napster happening, record sales dropped to the point where there was a an audible gasp that just circled the planet. But having said that, things have to change and there's a lot of discomfort when there is a shift in how people spend their money, how they consume anything. So for instance, when you're talking about fossil fuels, and I compare this to music a lot because it's important. Yeah, we all lost money in the music business. We were terribly uncomfortable. We were extremely frightened. We didn't know what was going to come next. Thousands upon tens of thousands of people were losing their jobs. Simple as that. From the manufacturers of CDs to people making posters in warehouses, every aspect was affected. But the change was important. It was uncomfortable. Fossil fuels is going to be uncomfortable. Tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of people are going to lose their jobs. There's going to be a shift in how people make their way through the world because that's what happens. So whenever I hear about the moanings and groanings of people in fossil fuels, I'm like, welcome to everybody who's ever had a job whether it's horses pulling milk wagons in 1910 that suddenly had a car come along, their jobs were gone. They didn't know what to do with their, their horses pulling the wagons anymore. They didn't need their wagon. It's just this avalanche of what affects everything and how we live. So get ready. There's going to be discomfort with change. There's going to be discomfort with how we eat, you know, certain aspects of industrial agriculture. But that's just a little tip of the iceberg to see how the music business worked and what happened to everyone. We're still trying to figure it out 20 years later, but I think it's a much better system. I mean, the amount of plastic that is not being used on CDs, DVDs. Do you remember Netflix first started and you got that little Mm -hmm. red envelope and you had to stick it in the mailbox and send it back? Yeah. Netflix offered to partner with Blockbuster and they shut them down. Huh? Well, you know, these things, it does take time, but when the world moves, it's so great to see how big those moves are. It seems 
minuscule, but then there's such a shift. I mean, China is leading the way with, you know, EVs, electric vehicles, and they think they're going to have pretty much their population, which is one and a half billion people driving electric vehicles by 2050. It's 2024. I wonder about all the the batteries, like, doesn't it? But they'll figure that out too, Caitlin. Yeah. Remember microwaves? They were the size of a Buick. <laughs> they have to figure them out. And uh, supply and demand. Mm-hmm. When you have eight people that want an electric vehicle, it's pretty damn pricey, you know, like a, driving a Tesla. When you have 35 million people mm-hmm. in the United States that want to buy an electric vehicle, the, the cost of the point is going to be, that price point is going to be so much lower. Well, once there's money to be made in any industry, you're going to see some serious progress, like like in this day and age, obviously. So I figure once they actually manage to sort out how to recycle uh, batteries like that, once there's a better bat, because right now it's it's abysmal and there isn't an endless supply of these expensive minerals lying around to make these batteries. So it took sometimes 15 minutes to download one song off of Napster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were on dial up, the speed in which the internet came to your house or through that telephone line. Those are growing pains and those things will shift and change. It looks scary right now, like I said, but they will be sorted out. There's people working on it. There's electric roads that cars regenerate and charge themselves in the Netherlands. In Germany, there's pieces of road that people are now driving on. They go for 20 kilometers. It's charging their car. It's crazy. Like look to the Netherlands. Look to like a lot of these Nordic countries too. They've got it figured out. I was on a high-speed train going from Stockholm's airport to their city center because it's pretty far apart. And I thought we're living in the future. Like the Up Express in Toronto, first of all, we didn't even have it until fairly recently. And now it chugs along at like a snail's pace, but still faster than sitting in your car, infinitely faster than sitting in your car in Toronto. But in Stockholm, they have like bullet trains in Asia. Like I have friends who go to South Korea and they're in Seoul saying like, I'm living in the future. Like it's North America. We're we're behind. We're behind when it comes to infrastructure and things like that. So yeah, I mean. Because people don't want to give up their convenient lives. They don't want change. Most people, I don't know how what the statistic is in the United States alone of people that have never left their cities, mm-hmm. never left their neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. They've never gone anywhere. And yes, there's, you know, an extraordinary poverty plays into that, I'm sure. But there's, you know, millions and millions of Americans that don't have passports. So it's that convenient life. It's mm-hmm. it's just what you know and you mm-hmm. kind of stay in it. You know, I can't drink coffee without milk. Like, sorry, it just <gasps> doesn't taste right. Hey, speaking of coffee. Oh, go. Sarah. I'm a monster. I haven't had coffee for three days right now. Okay, so why are you doing that? Is this a New New Year's resolution? No, not really. But like after a lot of indulging, I like to cut out coffee for like a little hormone reset um, just because I drink a lot of coffee. Is there facts to this? I have read some, but Caitlin actually said that there's no point to this. And I'd like to hear more about that, Caitlin, please. Doesn't matter. So I read a book called This Is Your Mind on Plants by an author named Michael Pollan. Oh. Uh, he's a professor. I know he's at Stanford. He's at a prestigious university in the West Coast as well as the East Coast. Sounds like he knows his stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so he, so he breaks down um, the fact that humans have always, since the start of time, consumed plants to alter their state of being in some way way, shape, or form. So he explores this concept through three different types of plants, one being opioids, one being caffeine, and one being Mm -hmm. hallucinogens as a subcategory, but he specifically focuses on peyote. And so he gets to caffeine and me being a morning show host, I'm very interested in this. And he essentially 
comes down to the fact that like everything in life, the poison is in the dose. I forget which philosopher he attributes that quote to, but so a, a moderate amount of caffeine is actually quite good for you. And he said that after reading his work, people would read part of it or not flush it all the way through or not go through his sources. And they'd come up to him at events, speaking events and say, guess what? I've quit caffeine. And he'd say, I actually don't want you to. It dusts off your mind. Uh, He said it's been a really important part of our growth as humans in the last two centuries because it's allowed us to work clearer, more clear-headed and to be focused. It was a huge part of the industrial revolution. And so taking too much of anything is going to be terrible for you. I mean, you could technically overdose. Indeed. You could technically overdose on water, you know. People have died from water drinking contests to win cars at, at radio stations. I mean, it doesn't happen anymore because people literally drown from the inside. It yes. drowns your organs. So this is the thing. So he, yeah, he just basically said, Sarah, you don't have to worry about it. You can have a cup of coffee a day. If you're addicted to something and you're having it all the time, then you're going to be jacking up your heart rate, causing insomnia, increasing your chance of anxiety, blah, blah, blah. But you can have it. You can have it. I was thinking a lot about sleep when I did this. Are you sleeping better? No, but I also think I'm going through like that detox with the headaches. So that's probably why. I think you should start drinking coffee again. This is my personal take. Saturday. I'm just going five days. I'm not cutting it out forever. It's a five day. Aren't we so supportive? Aren't we so supportive of you? I realize I'm like, you do you, but also to get get the coffee back. (laughs) You are listening to the Jan Arden Podcast and Show. This is the second episode of 2024. Lots to talk about. Golden Globes, 50 fake sounding old wives tales. I want to read you a few of those that actually really have a lot to them. Uh, Don't go away. Caitlin Green, Sarah Burke is not drinking coffee. We have no idea what's going to come out of her mouth next. Don't go away. We're going to be here when you come back. Welcome back, Jan Arden Podcast and Show. Caitlin Green, Sarah Burke, Jan Arden, that's me. Listen, you probably didn't know this, folks, but we have a pop culture expert on this show. Her name is Caitlin Green. And uh, we just had something, a little a little old show on Sunday called The Golden Globes. And it was quite the spectacle. Now, I did not watch it. I'm the person that sits in bed the next day and looks at clips mm-hmm. and looks at outfits. Just, I do my own little brief synopsis. But right out of the gate, Joe Coy was really massacred he said it was very last minute that he was hired. I find out that very hard to believe considering the show is once a year and they should have had time to get somebody. But I guess he said a lot of disparaging things. Like I said, I don't know. But Caitlin, I'm going to let you talk indefinitely about the Golden Globes and what your takeaway is from famous people and how horrific they really are. <laughs> you, most people watch the clips. Like that's the truth. They want someone else okay. to summarize it for you. And so that's what, you know, we do on our morning show a lot. But uh, I felt, I have to say, I kind of felt for Joe Coy because okay. you hired, and not, not to say that I enjoyed his monologue or thought that he was a particularly good host. I don't. I think he was the wrong choice. I do think that they genuinely chose him last minute. I think he said 10 days. It's, I think he, he was exaggerating for effect. But the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, who is the body that is responsible for the Golden Globes, they have been embroiled in controversy for the last few years. Then there were all these lockdowns happening. So they actually haven't televised an award show in a while. So this was them returning, televising it, especially following the writer's strike. 
everyone in Hollywood has to like get out and go to the carpets and go to these events that they may not want to go to this award season because it like, it really matters. Well, if you're not appearing, you're disappearing. So yeah, everybody was there that seemed like they weren't even nominated for anything. They were just there anyway. Yeah. You got to go like, this is the year you got to go because you're, right. it's going to impact everyone's bottom line if you don't show up. So he goes, but then when his, when his monologue started to bomb, cause he wasn't landing well in the room with his early jokes, then he like broke the fourth wall and blamed his writers. And I was like, after the writers strike, what are you talking about? So at one point he, he blames the writers and he's like, these jokes, the jokes that aren't landing are their jokes. And the ones that you're laughing at are the ones I wrote is essentially what he said. But it's going to affect him going forward. I mean, oh, for sure. you look what happened to Drew Barrymore when she attempted to, during the strike, kind of hire people. She, oh, I got to keep these people employed and we got to go forward. And she, the blowback was such that she immediately retracted, did a very lengthy diatribe of why she was very sorry. I mean, she's Hollywood royalty, really, Drew Barrymore. Her family, the Barrymores, were – she's been part of that community since before she was born. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, Joe Coy, I, I don't know if I feel sorry for people. When they start blaming, just own it. Yeah. It's more like it's not a good gig. I don't know why people want the gig. Give me Ricky Gervais. He can handle it. I don't know that he'd want to do it anymore, but he could handle doing a solo hosting gig. But Ooh. I really feel like we've entered the era of needing two hosts. Because I think that they can play off of each other. It's a different dynamic. You can do more bits. It's get more Tina Fey. Get Tina Fey and Amy and Poehler. Amy back Poehler. There. I mean, Kristen Wiig was at the Dang Awards, and so was Will Ferrell. Have them host. You have options, and I think yeah. it puts people. At I, ease. And I think people say no. I think people I, say no because of the way it is scrutinized. And so again, Joe Coy, I don't feel the right choice. I don't think the jokes landed. I didn't love the jokes. I was kind of like, oh, it was awkward. It was like. And it kills the vibe of the show and it kills the room and the red carpets. My God, the horror show of these red carpets. Now I watched a guy who's a longtime uh, editor at uh, variety and then a beauty, former beauty queen who now is with uh, ET in the U S in some capacity doing interviews, doing interviews. And I swear to you, I watched Leonardo DiCaprio live on camera. I watched his soul leave his body and he went to like another realm because she is the worst interviewer I've ever seen in my entire life. It is painful. And so then you think these celebrities have just come off the red carpet. Then they're filing into their, their little, you know, the auditorium. And then Joe Coy gets on stage and then this happens. And I'm just thinking, you know, as a, if I was the executive producer of the show, I would just say, we need two hosts. We need to vet everyone on the red carpet because this is a disaster. Do you think regular people like seeing the bombs going on? Do you think that helps mm-hmm. in ratings? Is it when things are really terrible? Some people like the mess for Did sure. Did you see Oh, it's a very did you see. And now they have so many people who are milling around uh, when you aren't seeing the live show and they're filming everybody all the time that now there are these massive stories that break around what you didn't see televised. And such was the case this week with lip readers everywhere jumping online to parse through this conversation that was filmed between Selena Gomez, Taylor Swift, and Taylor Swift was in attendance with the actor Miles Teller's wife, Kaylee Teller. So the three of these, it's very high school. They're like at a prom, it looks like. And Selena Gomez walks over and says something and it's like, (gasps) to who? So Selena Gomez walks over to Taylor Swift, tells her something. Kaylee Teller's there. They're all going, oh my God, no, freaking out. Lip readers literally jump in. There's alternate camera angles that are then shown all over the internet. So what were they talking about? It's believed that they were that Selena Gomez <laughs> was saying she asked for a photograph with Timothy Chalamet and that Kylie Jenner, his girlfriend and date at the awards, said no because there's beef between the two of them in some way. 
Now, Selena Gomez is denying it, but this was like a three day long story. Selena Gomez says, I was talking about other friends that hooked up. And I don't know. I saw I saw Kaylee Teller pretty clearly say Timothy. So unless you know another Timothy, I'm not sure. But then I thought this is the mark of a true NFL player's girlfriend. Taylor Swift has watched enough football games now to know that the coaches on the sidelines cover their mouths when they're going to say something. And she covered her mouth every time. I was like, she's taking sports tips. Yes, she knows. Because the other two didn't. And that's where this whole story started. If they just all covered their mouth, it would have been fine. Yeah. So these stories are fun and they're meaningless. And this is why I think people like them, why I like them, why I've always liked entertainment because I don't take it seriously. And it is a respite from the rest of the world right now. And so I enjoy it. I also just love movies. So in your opinion, who was the big winner? And let me just g- give you a caveat here. You cannot win in art. There's no best of. There's no best no. singer. There's no best song. There's no best movie. So you guys can vilify me if you want. Yes, I have quite a number of awards myself for this and that and whatever. But I do realize now that it's a moot point. You're an artist, so you know this. You know it. I know this. So I just want you you to, but in your opinion, what, what do you think? Yeah. So the big winners of the night in terms of number of statues and categories was for movies, Oppenheimer and for shows, Succession. Uh, the Holdovers won in the category of musical and comedy. They won two uh, really solid acting um, awards for Paul Giamatti and then his co-host Divine Joy Randolph. And I saw that. Oh, yeah. Her outfit. Oh, my gosh. A lot of boob. Her stylist and the tape used to keep her in place deserved an award in and of itself. Yeah. But she mm-hmm. was great. And she played that role so beautifully. She was kind of like the warm, fuzzy heart of the movie. And I thought she mm-hmm. did it really well. Fantastic. Everyone thought it was going to be uh, Barbie. That was the runaway success story of the night in the musical and comedy they category. Did, they didn't go for it. No, Poor Things won. Poor Things had a huge night. And this is from the same director who did The Favorite. And so Emma Stone, he worked with her again on this. And she won uh, Best Lead. And then it won uh, Best musical or comedy it was a big win for them so i think poor things is on everyone's shortlist now a lot of people want to see the holdovers Saltburn, Saltburn didn't win a thing and doesn't deserve to oh god i just don't know i was so uncomfortable watching Saltburn. some of the scenes i just feel like they pushed so hard in a sexual kind of deviant nature yeah and i'm not approved by any stretch of the imagination but i i'm not even going to say it because this is on the radio um, if you're in mixed company, don't watch this with your grandmother and oh don't ever God. have your children in a room watching this. And you might not even want to watch it with your husband or your wife or your partner. I would say you almost don't necessarily need to watch it at all when it comes to awards. It's not going to win any. I mean, that's ultimately the truth. It is a mm-hmm. cultural moment. I tweeted about it and I said my Saltburn review that no one asked for is that I didn't think it was a great <laughs> movie overall, but its depraved horniness was memorable. It's very like Cruel Intentions meets Euphoria. It's like the kind of movie you have to like cross your leg. Yes, it's 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 depraved and horny and it is very much hearkening back to the days of like erotic thrillers in the 90s that was like when Cruel Intentions was popular and unfaithful and bound and all these titles that were like, ooh, scintillating. It's very that, but for now. It's not an award-winning film and I don't think it's particularly well done, but it's memorable. You either love it or hate it, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so the outfits as always are, they run the gamut. And I do think it's fun for people. And like you said, you hit it on the head, Caitlin. This is fantasy. This is entertainment. This is not people that are going to Walmart. They are walking a red carpet. My mom used to say, well, 
it's fine when they're standing up, but I don't know how they sit in some of those outfits. And I'm just like, I I had never even thought about that before. There's a great story about Donna Summer back in her heyday. Love to love you, baby. I I mean, she was one of the biggest stars in the world. She had a bunch of hits. I bought her double album. Anyway, uh, Donna Summer was taken from her dressing room on a um, a produce cart. You know, the kind that you tip the boxes up? Yes. Yes, They would sit her on there. She'd get on the flat little platform that the guys, the UPS drivers use. (laughs) They would tip her back. They would wheel her out and she would like get onto the stage and teeter out there. There's also very well-documented reports of Mariah Carey being sewn into every outfit she's ever performed in. There's no zipper. There's no nothing. They literally have two people sewing her into her outfits before she goes on. So anyway, it is funny to think of these people sitting in theater seats, just like all us regular people do. They're nothing glamorous about those theater seats. They're the little bendy down seats. There's nothing special. And you sit there and someone complains that you're kicking their seat and you got to sit in those goddamn chairs. Mm -hmm. Like, well, that's why people do like the Golden Globes because you're at a table, there is food and there's booze because Moet and Sean Dawson. But it's still sponsor. a chair. It's still a chair. It's still uncomfortable. And I've heard actresses say that are in these like big, very structural gowns that some of them, if they can conceal it, will have to wear a diaper because unless you have your stylist with you. Stop you in it. Out, yes, because how are you going to go to the bathroom? And if you go to the bathroom and then they call your, your award category and then you're running back out with pee on your gown, like it's not going to happen. So I will say I respect the commitment to ridiculousness that makes this Hollywood. It is not supposed to be real. If you want relatable, that's a different category. But this is not relatable. And if you are going to commit and be stitched into your dress, I salute you because you are not me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my favorite outfit, not that anybody cares. And it's because yes, that was me in bed scrolling through the outfits. uh, Billie Eilish. Oh my gosh. And she put it together herself and it was a shirt she got for her birthday and there was a little tie. There was this big oversized jacket Mm -hmm. and her hair was like dyed, you know, this bright, vibrant. I think it was green again. She always says the reverse roots. It was red and black. I just loved it. Everyone is like, they've starved themselves. I don't give a shit what anybody says. These people have not (laughs) eaten for three weeks. And I feel like everybody's on Ozempic. They're walking down the aisle. Everyone just looked like you have lost 15 pounds in three weeks. Yes. The hard way. But I do really respect the actual films that are like real work. Like nice seeing Greta Gerwig there. Uh, People put in so much effort into writing. She's tall. She's very tall. And her husband is quite small. So it kind of like adds to that sort of look for the two of them. Yeah. Um, But like Maddie Matheson, Toronto, Canada's own Maddie Matheson, who's in The Bear. bear. God, I love him. And it was so fun. He's one of the producers. I know he is. Yeah. He's he's credited as a producer. And uh, and so it's just nice to see. Did you um, see, um, I'm forgetting her name from The Bear. And I'm forgetting his name from the bear. They both won. Why am I forgetting? Jeremy Allen White and Io Edabury. One of the best series I watched last year was The Bear. This, I, I did seasons one and two. And and uh, I think they're going ahead with season three. Are they not? They are. And um, and she her acceptance speech was so fantastic because she shouts out an often forgotten about group of people in Hollywood who she claims are the real movers and shakers. The assistants. The assistance to the managers, the assistance to the agents, the assistance. They run the world. That's what she said. I loved that moment. I had dinner with Chelsea Handler's assistant Ah. and she was telling us some stories. And I love you, Chelsea Handler. She loves Chelsea. Mm -hmm. I mean, working with her is a dream bloody job. She's from Canada. She, Carla's Canadian. And, but some of the stuff. 
that she has to fucking sort out is uh, you're sitting at dinner with your fork in your hand with my friend Nikki and my Danny Kind was with us and we're sitting there. We all would just stop and stare at Carla waiting for the, I'm kidding. And there was no, I'm kidding. So yeah. Anyway, as usual, these shows burn by. So 50 fake sounding old wives tales that are actually correct. According to drum roll, please. Internet users. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I can relate to this one because when my mom passed away, we opened a window to let her soul out. And I was there with uh, a death doula, Janine Violini, who, thank you, Janine, when you're talking about assistance, man, mm-hmm. someone assisting you with someone's death is, I highly recommend it. And please find yourself one if you can. Um, open a window to let out ghosts or spirits if you are seeing things. It's probably actual gas or carbon dioxide. And they would often see those things, like back in the olden days, they would see candles were- with, Like an apparition was- a- And they would open windows. Yeah, okay. But, you know, there's something to that. Uh, gathering herbs by the light of the moon is a big one with how, you know, a lot of women went out in the moonlight to get their medicinals. Some plants pollinated by moths have their most potent oils at night to attract night insects. Another one of them is garlic, like the potential wonders of garlic. And it's very, very true. This has been going on for a thousand years that it has medicinal uh, powers. Uh, The concept originated centuries ago in the form of oral tradition of storytelling. The whole idea behind old wives tales was to teach lessons and to make concepts like death or aging more easy to understand. That's where all these things came from. Uh, This is a very weird one. Doomed is the child who, when kissed on the forehead, tastes salty. He is cursed and will soon die. So this originates from 13th century. But in today's times, that saltiness is indeed cystic fibrosis. And we know that cystic fibrosis is due to a non-functional protein that regulates salt transport. When that protein doesn't work, you get thick, sticky mucus clogging up every membrane and a whole bunch of salt being pumped onto the skin. There's just so many things that are just like, wow. Pregnant women, this is for you, Caitlin, should not be near cat litter. That's true. I mean, I could t- anyone could tell you that. You smell that stuff? Well, it's filled with toxins. And cats have that one type of disease that's really bad for, um, for fetal health and, uh, and, uh, and children as well. Well, I, I have never heard that in my life. It's something to do with not just their litter, which obviously has toxins and smells, but there is a type of toxin that cats carry, whether it's a parasite or otherwise, that can be harmful to an unborn child and a pregnant woman. And I remember my grandmothers both being like, you don't want a cat in your house. Oh, I found it. Toxoplasmosis. There you go. And they were right. Granny Green, Granny Telfer, you were bang on about that one. Kate, for cat owners out there, I'm sorry. I do not speak what these women speak. I'd support you with your cats, but just don't have them sleep with you. Maybe that's the thing. (laughs) While you're pregnant. Uh, One of the major reasons why old wives tales kind of got Mm poo-pooed by so many people, men in particular, uh, and, you know, saying that they had absolutely no factual, you know, backing is that they were usually propagated by illiterate women um, who who, you know, they just couldn't read or write. And so they didn't, because they were uneducated, they didn't give any of their unbelievable knowledge about stuff, any value whatsoever. 
And they were often witches that were burnt at the stake. So there you go. Uh, when rain is coming, your joints hurt. Mm. Ever heard that one? My arthritic friends tell me that. Well, there's just, there's pe- the internet experts, which this some of this is based on, are saying that it's absolutely true that it has to do with the barometric pressure mm-hmm. and changes in the atmosphere. Uh, 11 million medical visits occurring on more than 2 million rainy days and 9 million dry days. That visits went up in hospitals on rainy days with people complaining of hip pains, knee pains, that statistically it was way more. Uh, Chicken soup when you're sick? No, it's just being hydrated. They're saying there's actually nothing to the actual chicken. You're dehydrated. And when you eat soup, you get hydrated. That's going to be sad for a lot of people. Take a liquid IV. Those things are great. I love a liquid IV. Okay, redheads out there, you guys need more anesthetic than people that yes. are redheaded. Are, are you? That's a thing. Well, it's not me, but my cousin, my cousin <laughs> told me a story like she was supposed to be frozen for something. And she was like, no, I can feel all of that. Well, it turns out that there is a linked gene to red hair that increases resistance or metabolism to something in the drug. You'd think an anesthetist would know that. Well, they do now. <laughs> That's what I mean. But I'm thinking of Sarah's poor cousin. I'm like, you think they'd be aware of that? She told him ahead and this still happened. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Any comments on that one? So true. Red sky at morning, sailors take warning. A red sky appears when dust and small particles are trapped in the atmosphere by high pressure. This scatters blue light, leaving only red light to give the sky its notable appearance. A red sky at sunset means high pressure is moving in from the west. So therefore, the next day will usually be dry and pleasant. And that is from a meteorological office. I I think these are so fascinating. A cut onion rubbed on insect bites takes away the sting. The onion thing, a lot of people cut an onion and putting out in their house on a plate when they're sick to absorb all the toxins in the air. But the weirdest thing with onion, right before I went to Greece, I sprained my ankle. Okay. And see, this is triggering some things, some real stuff here. And so one of the gals that I was going with, she's like, I'm going to send my mom over. And I'm like an adult here. I'm like, I've sprained my ankle before. Like, it's fine. And she's like, no, no, no. My mom has a recipe. It's Irish spring soap, red onion. She's going to do a a thing and and wrap it a certain way. And apparently if you like sleep with it in a bag around Irish spring soap, like shavings of it. And apparently it pulls all the toxins out. Now, I couldn't last with the, call it, bag boot of things overnight. So I probably didn't leave it on long enough. But this is what her mom does when anyone has like an injury of any sort and it works with their entire family. Well, like 90% of the internet users said that they've used it on wasp and ant bites and it works instantly for them. (gasps) Taking an onion and putting it on bites. Well, it does make your eyes hurt. So, I mean, there's something powerful in there. It's the same thing when, you know, the joke about uh, from friends where if you get stung by a jellyfish, then someone has to pee on you. Well, I've not come across that so far, but... A good substitute is white vinegar, just saying. Honey is a very useful topical medicine. It's actually used in hospitals now for certain kinds of wound dressings. It's antimicrobial and keeps the other crap from getting into the wound. And they've used that for thousands of years. Oh, yeah. I believe that. And it's fantastic during cough and cold season. It's fantastic to help you with uh, allergies. If you, they have um, unpasteurized local honey sticks and you like snap one and then drink it and exposing yourself to all of these local forms of pollen through the, uh, the honey, unpasteurized honey, of course, is supposed to actually help you 
offset the likelihood of having allergies, help you manage allergies. And they recommend giving honey now in the pasteurized form to children when they have uh, coughs. And because it's supposed to be a really effective natural cough medicine, cough suppressant, coats your throat, we give our son some with a little bit of cinnamon. Well, I had a chest cold like last year, my friend Donna, who played Rhonda on the Jan show, my, my friend. <laughs> She's literally like a mount, mountain woman. She's lived out in a grandfathered cabin out in Bright Creek by herself. I think in the last 10 years, she got like running water and things like that. Anyway, long story short, I had a chest cold. We were talking on the phone. She goes, sound like you got a cold, buddy. You got to get a uh, cheesecloth or like you got a flannel. Did your mom have an old flannel? I'm like, flannel? I think she goes, do you have flannel pajamas? You got to get uh, dry mustard. You got dry mustard, dry mustard and honey. And uh, mix that in and just put it all over your chest and uh, just put your flannel over that and sleep with that on. I'm like, no. I love this. Tips from the mountain woman. Donna also said that, you know, she avoided getting COVID drinking a shot of Jägermeister every day. So, I mean, she also lives alone in the woods. So I would argue yeah. that isolation has a role to play in her <laughs> dodging COVID. <laughs> You know what, Donna? No, I love Donna. So do I. She sounds awesome and badass. And she's done so much for that community out there. I'll tell you what, she can tell me what the weather is. Like you talk about red sky at night. She can literally say, yeah, buddy, what are you doing with your, make sure you, you, you know, you shovel around your gate. You know, we're, we're expecting like another 10 inches of snow. And I, by God, like I always defer to Donna for what's happening. I don't care about meteorologists. Donna will tell me, well, yeah, my left foot was sore, so it's going to rain tomorrow. Barometric pressure. We talked about you caroling, and I think we need a TikTok special called Defer to Donna, and it's her giving her <laughs> life tips because it sounds great. Well, <laughs> my back's sore, so it's going to hail. Like, uh, this is really what, what Donna's like. I love her. I don't even know her, and she sounds amazing. We, we met a long time ago. I was renting a house in Bright Creek and waiting for my house to be built. So I was going to be there for at least a year and a half. And in Bray Creek, like 18 years ago, you couldn't just drink the water. Uh, most people trucked it in. Anyway, so I was getting one of those 80-gallon things of water. I couldn't carry it. So I was going to go back in my car, go back, and the guy in the grocery store was going to help me load it into my car. How I was going to get it into the house was going to be another thing entirely. <laughs> you know those things you turn upside down yes, into the water yeah. coolers? Well, fuck, I can't do it. It's, <laughs> I, I never could do it. The, the first time I even tried, it was such a fucking disaster. Like it was just going glug, 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 and then it hit the floor and it was going glug, glug, glug. And oh, yeah. I, had like, I had like one third of it left at the end of it. It was stupid. Anyway, I put my groceries in and I was just about to like, get in my car Donna was right behind me like a horror show. She had her she had her beaver hat on and her red and black Mac jacket. Yeah, her dog was standing beside her and she had the jug of water on her shoulder. Hey Jan, I'm your neighbor. Figured I'd meet you here sooner or later. And uh, she just put it in my car. I mean, fast forward to a very interesting story. When I lived in that house in Bray Creek, um, of course, as you do, you get a weird stalker that is very mentally unwell oh. who lives, you know, 700 yards down the river. Anyway, the guy used to scare the crap out of me. A lot of things, he used to pound on the doors. <gasps> I just want to talk to you. Oh no. I think I've talked about it years ago on the show. Oh, call Donna quick. <laughs> yeah. But Donna knew the guy, you know, she knew what his name was. She goes, you know, he's not going to hurt you. He's been like this for years. He should, you know, he should be somewhere, but he lives on his own. He had hockey sticks and old televisions lining his driveway. Mm. And 
Part of his house was covered in tinfoil and it was, it was literally someone very, very unwell. Mm -hmm. Anyway, unfortunately, because he kept trying to break into my doors, he got charged with trespassing and I couldn't do anything about it. Well, I mean, he is literally committing crimes. Yes. The RCMP (laughs) was doing it. But Donna literally said to me when it was at its height, when he was like every second day coming and knocking on the doors, I'm going to bring my gun. I'll, I'll sleep in your driveway with my camper, me and Zippy. And I'm like, well, no, I hope it doesn't come to that. But the fact that she offered, she goes, you know, I will sit in your driveway with my gun and I'll tell you what, he won't be coming to your door. I love Donna. Donna is, and I I wish I was exaggerating, but when I said to her, do you want to play, you know, my pal in the Jan show? She said, I acted in high school. Of course, so she no of course she did. Of course she did. Of course she did. She just turned 72 this week. Um, Happy birthday. Yeah. She offered to sleep in my driveway in Bright Creek in the camper with her gun. So and title of episode is Defer to Donna. And we will have her on the show at a later date. Even fast forward, fast forward. Uh, unfortunately, this gentleman ended up taking his own life, which was extraordinarily sad. I don't talk about that very often, but it had nothing to do with, I think I'm asked about those things in terms of being a public person. Mm -hmm. He had no idea who I was. It was nothing like that. I was just a house. It's just proximity. Yeah, it was just proximity. 100%. So, but anyway, thank you, Donna, for stepping in. Skippy. Zippy. Oh, sorry, Zippy. Zippy. Zippy and Donna. Zippy was awesome. (laughs) Whenever I used to go like into town, like from my cabin, Donna had a huge, like a white... I don't know if he was a Kuvaz or or something like that. And she still goes to the bar every day and she has one Bud Light. She sits there with all the regulars and has a Bud Light in the powder horn. Shout out to the powder horn. I can't believe it. But her dog would just, well, I had him in his pen. And of course, she always managed to get out. And I used to see this white dog go past my place. And he found her truck. Mm-hmm. And would lay under her truck until Donna came out of the bar. At the powder horn. At the powder horn. And then he'd hop into the passenger seat and go home with Donna. So I live in an awesome part of the world with awesome people. And uh, you can't make this stuff up. I love it. She's iconic. So whenever she phones me, she goes, buddy, it's Donna Rhonda. So she calls herself Donna Rhonda now uh, (laughs) from the show. (laughs) can we have her on will she come on the show okay great i really i could ask her okay um she'd have to sit here beside me because i don't think she's got all this fanaticans you don't she doesn't Uh, have a home podcasting setup (laughs) she could build one i bet i actually am saying that in all sincerity i feel she could build one (laughs) yeah anyway she really is the heart of that community and she's got lots of people looking out for her and (laughs) she used to drive a school bus (laughs) and she (laughs) can't get enough of this It was really classic because she she much preferred driving the septic tank. She drove a septic tank truck for many, many years. And she said, those little bastards, she said that, you know, kids, she goes, I would never behave like that when I was that age. But she drove it for a while and then she just always felt sick all the time. But she was getting carbon monoxide poisoning from this bus. Oh, I bet they stunk back in the day, those old ones. Uh, just So she just quit doing that. But she said the kids were so, like they, she said they were little bastards. I bet. Was this an episode of The Simpsons? I just have to ask. <laughs> no, her 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 stories are legendary and they're all true. And she used to work downtown Calgary, but she's, uh, yeah. I mean, one of her brothers still has like a trap line way up northern Alberta. Like it's, it's a whole other world. I have man. notes. I've been taking notes of things to follow up on with Donna when uh, she does join our show. So listeners, don't okay. worry. We are going to get her on. Please. Can we please? <laughs> 
And another person that's going to come back is Kim Dennis. We, we, I was chatting with her a while ago and we're definitely going to make room for Kim in the next, you know, three or four weeks to, to come in and tell us what 2024 looks like. And, and I have a line on a very, very, very famous, I would say, Oh, ooh, I want to guess, but yeah, I don't want to say yet, but if we can get this individual, they are very, uh, well known, I would say globally. Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. That's right. Um, <laughs> Quote the Raven evermore. Anyways, so he's, he, him and his telltale heart are going to be here. So, but no, this individual is very, very well known for talking to the other side. So I am super hopeful that this happens. Okay. Well, don't get our hopes up. I know. I'm, I'm sitting here truly fingers crossed. So we'll see. Okay. Well, listen, uh, some of this might end up as bonus material because this segment has been like 25 minutes long. Poor Sarah. But listen, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening week after week. Hit that subscribe button on the Jan Arden podcast. It'll pop up in your phone every week and you won't have to look for us. There's also a place where you can give us some stars. There's only five stars, but feel free to give us 10 stars if you want to. And you can leave a review. It helps people find the podcast. If you want to send us a voice note, and we always ask you for those things, no one does it, but maybe this time they will. You can go to our website. We have an effing website, janardenpod.com. And you can go on there for show notes and information. And oh my gosh, we're so proud. And Sarah Burke, thank you for that because mm-hmm. you have worked your living arse off on mm-hmm. it. And we appreciate it so much. So janardenpod.com, just the way it sounds. We love you. We'll see you next time. Totally do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.